Greetings and welcome to A Voice for the Voiceless, a podcast about endangered species. I'm your host, Jenny Sisler, coming to you at 9.15 p.m. on Monday, May 1st, 2023, from an exceedingly soggy and miserable Sunderland, Massachusetts. It's been raining off and on for the past couple of days, and I checked the weather forecast, and I don't know when it's supposed to stop raining, but it can any time now. If Mother Nature would please just give us some sunlight, my uh, arthritis and my vitamin D levels would be much appreciative. Anyway, I hope that all is well in your corner of the world. And tonight's podcast episode was inspired by a photograph I saw of the always lovely Stephanie Powers that was taken in her most recent trip to Kenya a couple of months ago. And in it, she was holding this absolutely precious African wild wild dog pup. And I knew that they were endangered, but that's until I started researching them for this episode, I didn't know that much about them. And they're actually quite fascinating. They're the most unique uh, dogs on earth, as far as I'm concerned. They're not like any other canid um, on earth. And uh, so, as usual, I will start by giving you some facts about the wild dog, and then we'll discuss what the threats are and what's being done to help protect them. Uh, the common name for this animal is either the African painted dog, the painted wolf, or the African wild dog. And they were traditionally found all over Sub-Saharan Africa, except in uh, the lowland rainforests and the driest of the desert regions. Um, but sadly, now they're only found in regions, in uh, portions of East Africa and Southern Africa. And there's around 6,600 left in the wild. And 1,400 of those are mature uh, adults. They weigh between 45 to 55 pounds in East Africa and between 54 and 72 pounds in Southern Africa. Uh, they stand between 24 and 30 inches tall at the shoulder and they are between 28 and 44 inches long with an 11 to 16 inch long tail. They are the largest canids in Africa and the second largest dogs in the world behind wolves. And they are the only African carnivore besides the cheetah that hunts during the day. And what they do is they stalk their prey and chase it at speeds up to 40 miles an hour for anywhere between 10 and 60 minutes. And they just basically wear their prey down and then go in for the kill. And they have between a 60 and 90% success rate at the hunt, which makes them better hunters than hyenas or lions. Uh, their coat patterns are unique in much the same way that a zebra's stripe pattern is unique to each zebra. Uh, the coat pattern of an African painted dog is unique and it's believed to help the other dogs in the pack recognize each other. Um, it's the second most endangered carnivore in all of Africa behind the Ethiopian wolf. Um, part of the what endangers them, and we'll discuss the uh, threats to them more in a moment. But part of what endangers them is that they are susceptible to diseases that are carried by domesticated dogs, um, such as rabies and distemper. And distemper is a very dangerous illness that spreads like wildfire through a pack. So if one of the uh, wild dogs gets it, 
it could decimate an entire pack in a very short amount of time. Um, they live in packs of between 17, 17, excuse me, sorry, 7 and 15 individuals. Uh, this I found interesting. They have no dew claws and their middle toe pad is fused. And they have a curved blade-like lower set of teeth, which is only seen in the Asian dole and the South American bush dog. Um, instead of having fur that's made up of hair, their fur is made up of stiff bristles that the dogs lose as they age. And uh, while their markings are unique, most of them have a black muzzle with a line that runs up the forehead. That's really the only similarity between each dog and their coloring. And they vocalize with each other, but they lack the facial expressions and body language that's seen in other dogs. And this one I thought was really cool, this little fact here. They sneeze to vote on pack decisions. So they make a sharp exhalation through the nostrils. And when the dominant pair in a pack sneezes, that's the, the decision being made. They're going to go on a hunt. Um, but if the dominant pair does not sneeze and it's a less dominant dog that does, then uh, hunting might happen if enough of the pack mates also sneeze. So I just found that interesting. I, I just think that it's interesting that the dominant pair will make the decisions for the pack. But if they're not interested in making the decision, then there has to be pretty much a... Pretty much... A majority vote so to speak. If only our voting processes were that easy then we could get stuff done without having to just sit around and try to make decisions. Um, now this is where I feel sorry for the African wild dog because when it comes time to mate it takes less than a minute and if uh, the female uh, becomes pregnant, she has a 69 to 73 day gestation. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there really is no mating season for the wild dogs of East Africa, but between April and July is the mating season for the wild dogs in Southern Africa. And they have uh, litters of between six and 26 pups. And after they're born, the mothers will stay with the pups and drive away other dogs until the pups can eat solid food, which is about a month. And in the hierarchy of the pack after the hunt, the pups will eat first until they're about a year old. And as far as other pack hierarchy goes, once females reach sexual maturity, they leave the pack. Um, there's really no infighting or intimidation or hierarchy amongst the members of the pack and they all work together to take care of the sick and wounded among them as well as taking care of the pups and the males and females work together to raise the young and although it sounds absolutely revolting the hunting party will go out and consume meat and come back and regurgitate it for the pups when they're just learning how to eat meat so it's a very unique animal, very strong family presence. Uh, they take care of each other and they're very successful hunters. So what are the threats? Well, just like anything else, um, of course, habitat destruction is playing a part, 
but the primary threat that has endangered the African wild dog is human-wildlife conflict because they eat small uh, livestock. So, of course, farmers and ranchers who breed livestock are, you know, they're very wary of wild dogs coming in and killing their animals. So, sadly, uh, human-wildlife conflict takes the lives of most of the wild dogs. Um, and a lot of times that comes in the form of snares and traps being set. So what is being done to help the African wild dogs survive? Fortunately, they have a lot more uh, help than my last subject, the great hammerhead. Uh, does. There are many different uh, conservation groups that are working to help the African wild dog survive. One of them is called Bush Life Conservancy, and they work with the Mana Pools World Heritage Site to protect the 110 dogs that live there. And their main aims are three things. They want to stop poaching in the Zambezi Valley area, and they want to expand the radius of this protected area. And they also uh, want to conduct research on wild dogs through collaring and den monitoring uh, so that they can get a better idea of how many wild dogs are actually in the area and you know more of an idea on their uh, migratory patterns and how they're interacting with livestock. And there's a whole list of organizations that are working together to um, preserve wild dogs. Um, uh, here's just a couple of them. I've got a long list here, but I won't read the whole thing. Uh, the Painted Dog Conservation Group, the Painted Wolf Foundation, the Botswana Predator Conservation Trust, the World Wildlife Fund, which... I'm a little bit gun-shy about supporting them because I know they have been guilty of fortress conservation in the past, but they are trying to save the African wild dog. Um, the African Wildlife Foundation, the Wildlife Conservation Network, and among others, the Range-Wide Conservation Program for Cheetahs and African Wild Dogs. Um, but a little bit closer to home for us Americans, uh, the Cincinnati Zoo is an example of um, efforts that are being made here at home to help the African wild dogs. Uh, they support three different uh, African conservation groups, uh, one of which is the Botswana Predator Conservation Trust. Um, the Botswana Predator Conservation Trust uh, tracks uh, radio collared individuals. And the reason why this is important is that with human wildlife conflict being the main reason they're endangered, um, monitors can track the collared individuals, they can determine their range, where, uh, where they live, where they hunt, and they can just help make people in those areas more aware of how to protect their livestock so that their first inclination isn't just to shoot and kill a painted dog when it shows up on their property. Um, the Cincinnati Zoo also supports the Ruaha Carnivore Project. And this group documents the presence and location of wild dogs through community sightings and camera traps. And the zoo sponsors a camera 
Um, and they also support the Painted Dog Research Trust. Um, and this was very interesting, and I think this is a really good example of how conservation needs uh, creativity and unique approaches to uh, raising funds and working to bring more awareness to the plight of animals. Um, they support the Painted Dog Research Trust by hiring artists to create sculptures from wire snares that are collected by anti-poaching units and the sculptures are sold in the zoo gift shop. And I actually saw a picture of one and it's just this beautiful sculpture of a wild dog. And first of all, it's a great way to get rid of the snare wires and it is a great conversation starter. And if you had one or you saw one, you know, it'd be a great way to educate others about the wild dog and its plight. And I just, I, I tend to gravitate towards creative uh, solutions anyway. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a writer and I'm a content creator on my blogs and here on this podcast. And I just really like that idea because it shows that something unique can raise awareness in a way that just getting dry facts or reading an, reading an article written in a journal or something can't necessarily always put across. And that's, that's just an approach that I favor when it comes to uh, conservation efforts. Um, and so these groups are working tirelessly to help the painted dog or the painted wolf or the African wild dog, whichever name you choose to use, uh, protect them and keep them safe so that they can flourish um, in the way Mother Nature intended for them to. So I'm going to leave it here for this week and I appreciate your listening and I hope you can help others become interested in the plight of the African wild dog. And please remember that you too can be a voice for the voiceless. Good night.